Welcome back to The Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and this is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. This particular conversation goes into everything you need to know about sprouts. Sprouts are one of those unsung heroes of our nutritional potential. And uh, Doug Evans, the guest for today, is the master, the guru of all things Sprout. And then per what is common on this podcast, we also get into the philosophical underpinnings of Mr. Doug Evans. He is an incredibly fascinating human being, and I really had a pleasure getting to dig into his mind. Uh, he lives in presently lives in a yurt with his beautiful wife out in Joshua Tree. Um, he's owned a multi-million dollar business. He has been all around the world. Uh, he's a really intriguing character. So I know you guys are going to really devour this conversation and learn a lot about sprouts. Sprouts are one of those things that I actually just had a big old honkin' salad uh, that was entirely made of sprouts. So instead of using lettuce or kale or whatever, the base was sprouts, put some white rice and mix some olive oil and various different spices and such up in there. And it was great. It was delicious. Um, so in his book, The Sprout Book, he's got all sorts of different recipes and really good stuff. So I know you guys are going to dig this conversation. And if you got some value from it, por favor, share it with your friends, share it with your grandma, share it with your parents, put it up on the Instagram. You can tag me at Align Podcast. You can tag Doug Evans at Doug Evans and uh, grab his book, Sprout Book. Um, also, if you are interested in learning about how to make that body of yours get the heck out of pain, I recommend jumping on the six-week Align Method online program. You can find that at alignpodcast.com slash courses. Breaks down in simplistic terms, droplets each week. We break down all the exercises that you ought to have in your daily existence in order to keep the functionality of your ankles, of your knees, of your hips, of your spine, of your shoulders. Your body is the most valuable vehicle you will ever own. So to have the education on how to function that thing, uh, pretty big deal. And that's what we pack into the six-week Align Method online program. It can be found at alignpodcast.com slash courses. Okay, here we go. Back to the program with my guy, Doug Evans. Pow. You have some some sprouts for breakfast, I'd imagine. I actually I do intermittent fasting. So Perfect. I just had a pomelo for I had a green juice from Air One. Yeah. And then I had a pomelo for lunch. I love it. Yeah, I've been getting on the getting back on my fasting game. I kind of go in and out with my commitment to these. I think just like treating myself and. Being a better custodian to my to my own health, I find fasting to be one of the most helpful things that I can do for my own well-being. Personally. Oh yeah. So yeah. recently, I've been trying to to not eat essentially until like afternoon, and then and then being the big thing for me is being more vigilant about eating as early as I can for dinner. Yeah. That's the thing that's like that really has been a major major impact for me. What time do you usually eat dinner? I like to eat it like between four and six, and I don't want to eat anything after six. Yeah. So my feeding window is like noon to six p.m. Yeah, yeah, I'm with that. Um, so is there anything particular that you would love to be focusing on today? Obviously, the book. 
Yeah, I think just the 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 I mean all about sprouts. Like that's that's my life. Yeah. My life is about sprouts. We'll talk sprouts. We'll talk sprouts. So. Perfect. What got you so psyched on sprouts? You know, I'd been sprouting for 25 years. And I always looked at sprouts as, you know, super nutrition. And yeah. I love them. They're living foods. I've been to the Ann Wigmore Institute. I'm friends with Brian at Hippocrates. So I always loved sprouts. But then, and I've been, you know, whole food plant-based, raw vegan since 1999. Hmm. So sprouts were always part of my life. But when I moved to the desert, right, I moved to Joshua Tree. This is the Mojave Desert, but it was also a food desert. So nowhere one, no vegan restaurants, no whole foods. So the question was like, what am I going to eat? And I, I knew I wanted to be there because I wanted the sunrises, I wanted the sunsets, I wanted to see the stars and the changing of the seasons, and I wanted to be in nature, and I wanted to be far away from the city. Yeah. So the, the trade-off of being in nature, what was I going to eat? So then I was like, oh, I'll just get some sprouts. I'll just get some seeds, I'll start sprouting. Yeah. So I got a few mason jars, I got some seeds, and within a month, 50% of my calories of the volume of the food I was eating were sprouts that was growing in one cubic foot. And that was just like blew my mind away. And the variety, because I thought of sprouts, like I was having sunflower sprouts, mung bean sprouts, and alfalfa for 25 years. Like mm. that's what I had. Yep. Then all of a sudden, when sprouts become became the thing that I was consuming, that and fruit, then all of a sudden I like, Learned about broccoli and azuki and lentils and garbanzo beans and um, arugula and flax and chia. And so all of a sudden, the variety was just so vast. And I couldn't believe, like, why isn't everyone just eating sprouts? Yeah. What is the difference between a sprout, like a broccoli sprout, compared to a head of broccoli? Is that, can we break that down a little bit? Yeah. So basically, one broccoli seed will sprout within days and it's edible from the seed stage all the way to the one week um, sprouting stage without soil, without sunshine, without fertilizer. And so if you let that broccoli seed that turned into a sprout grow, it'll grow into a microgreen, then it'll grow into a head of broccoli Right now, it will take like 100 days. And then if you let it grow past that, it will flower and then reproduce broccoli seeds again, like hundreds of broccoli seeds coming from one seed. So if you look at the nutrition of a broccoli seed versus a broccoli um, sprout versus broccoli as the vegetable, as people know it, the broccoli seeds in the earliest stages have the most of the anti-cancer compound called glucoraphanin that when you chew it, freeze it, blend it, crunch it, um, it actually releases the enzyme um, called myrosinase that forms sulforaphane. So, and that sulforaphane is like the holy grail uh, anti-cancer uh, compound. Hmm. And as the, the seed goes into the sprout and the microgreen into the mature plant, it actually is diluting 
the concentration of that. So the seed itself has a finite amount of glucoraphanin. So as it gets bigger, you get more fiber, you get more vitamin C, but you do not get more of the anti-cancer compounds. So one of the things about broccoli sprouts versus mature broccoli is you can get 50 to 100 times the amount of the super nutrients in the broccoli sprouts than you do in the mature broccoli. Yeah, and so you're not putting sprouts on like top of a salad. You're eating a salad of sprouts. You're like you're replacing, you're making sprout the meal. A hundred percent. And and if you think about other like factors about that, so broccoli sprouts. So if you look at one one like pound it's like juicing. In a sense, like you're getting a higher concentration of, of the compounds from the food because you're, you're putting it into a you know, concentrated cup yeah. as opposed to having, you know, this, you have this whole table bundle full of all the vegetables or fruits or whatever you're juicing and you put that into a little, a little shot glass. Right. A sprout, is that like a fair analogy? It's, it's fair from the level of concentration of micronutrients, phytonutrients, polyphenols, and bioflavonoids. What makes sprouting even more potent is that the sprout is a complete vegetable, hmm. right? Where juicing, you're right, removing you're the fiber and all the you're things. removing the fiber, right. the insoluble and part of the soluble fiber gets removed. But sprouting is just everything there. And the other thing about sprouting is this is alive. Like sprouts are living foods. So mature broccoli um, may be raw, but as soon as they cut it, it's starting to decay, right? So it's starting to just die. So the, the benefits of the living foods and almost there's been almost no current research and focus on living foods because the food focus is on creating processed foods so that have a higher degree of profitability. Yep. But intuitively, I think living foods are where it's at, you know, even beyond raw foods. So I love the living factor. The, the other thing which is really extraordinary is it may take 50 gallons of water to grow mature broccoli. If you're really water conscious as you're sprouting a pound of broccoli sprouts, you could do with a gallon of water. Yeah. So just think about the water utilization. Like I live in the desert. We think about water all the time. And so one gallon of water for one pound of broccoli sprouts, 50 gallons of water to grow a pound of broccoli 5,000 gallons of water to grow a pound of meat. Yeah. I wonder what you see in the modern world, the, some of like the, the deficits that we have in our, the nutritional profile of, of modern people. Cause I think is, is very interesting. Like even I, and I'm sure you, um, you know, get you know, affiliate ambassador deals or whatever from different companies and they're, they're pushing a product and then we start to live in this echo chamber because influencers and such are all pushing that product and yeah. then the doctors and then the TV and like this is, you know, everyone needs blank, you know, whatever right. the thing is for this six month period. But then I think a lot of the unsung heroes, there's just not as much financial profit to be gained from those yet. Yes. It hasn't been turned into a commodity. You know, and so it feels like Sprouts is kind of in that that realm where it's, it has an immense amount of value, but it hasn't really been like leveraged by big corporations. So it's not real or, or whatever, any, any, any form of business. So it's not as popular. Right. Like so it's an interesting thing that the, the, like the two, 
like the tides converging of of capitalism and making money and then our our health yeah well i i mean the interesting thing about sprouts is that there would be no other life on the planet without sprouts because every fruit and vegetable starts as a seed and that seed germinates and sprouts so there'd be no animal agriculture if they weren't eating sprouted um, food, whether it's grass or, or grain or hay or soy or corn, everything starts as a sprout. So in society, people look at sprouts as the hippy-dippy trippies um, consuming the alfalfa sprouts or um, Asian cuisine adding mung beans. Right. And like that's the where people think of sprouts. So what you said, which was a very astute observation, was that I don't look at sprouts as a garnish. Like, I look at sprouts as food. Like, sprouts are incredible food. The second thing I look at sprouts is, sprouts is vitamins. So you're super fit. I don't know about you. I don't take multivitamins. Like, I think that I can get... What I've learned is that the best source of vitamins comes from eating healthy food. So if you look at the, the gamut of sprouts that are available... You can get everything you want. You can have flax and chia uh, or hemp for your omega-3s. You can get every essential and every amino acid that forms protein through sprouts. You can get everything um, exists in sprouts. Every antioxidant, all the soluble fiber, all the insoluble fiber, and even things that look like... um, I used to be very judgmental about... (laughs) like mung bean sprouts, <laughs> right? I was like... They, I'm sure everyone's had a judgment on mung bean sprouts. At yeah. Some point. Well, I thought they were like the iceberg <laughs> lettuce of of um, of sprouts. And turns out they have 20% of the recommended daily allowance of vitamin C uh. and a handful has four grams of protein and they've got great fiber and they're alive. And these little like things that look like they have nothing in them. Yeah. So... So I just became obsessed with learning everything I could about sprouts mm-hmm. because I was eating them. So then I picked up the phone and I started to call and email people who knew a lot more about the medical side of eating and food and nutrition. So I called um, Mark Hyman and Dean Ornish and Joel Kahn. And then I called Dr. Josh Axe, who wrote the keto book. And Dr. Mercola and Dr. Brian Clement, you know, from Hippocrates. And some of these people were keto, some were functional medicine, some were plant-based. And the thing that they all had in common is they all loved sprouts. Yeah. And that was, what? Like, well, why don't you write the book on sprouts? And like, no, no, this is my thing. Or this is my thing, you know. Yeah, right. And so the fact that they've been around since the beginning of time. These well-revered um, medical professionals with different disciplines and different philosophies and ideologies all like sprouts. Mm. And then I looked at what was available um, in terms of documentation and publications and books around sprouts. And it was all dated. Nothing felt like um, the revelation of the infinite capacity to feed the world healthy nutrition. So um, the nutritional part, vitamin part of sprouts 
were key. So first part for me about sprouts was the food. Like sprouts are real food. I grow my own sprouts for salads. And so very accessible, I grow my own salad. Number two, I grow my own vitamins by growing sprouts. And number three, um, and this is less for me personally, but more for the message that I want to open people's eyes to see, sprouts as medicine. So, so the ability to use sprouts as targeted medicine for treating cancer, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, um, autism, like it's all there. Hmm. And so there's different levels that can affect your blood glucose level, insulin levels, you know, everything can be affected on a medicinal level of sprouts. Hmm. What have you learned living in a yurt and jay tree, Joshua tree? When did you move out there? Three years ago. Almost oh, three years ago. it's been a bit. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So like when we met at Wellspring. What's well the yurt like? I got to come out. Yeah. Well, when, when we met at Wellspring, yeah. like I had all these friends from L.A. who were going to Palm Springs. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll drive down the hill to go there. But I was already living so there. So several people came and stayed up on the land on the oh, hot cool. springs. So it's, this was a burning man yurt. So it was very provincial. It was a recycled LA billboard. <laughs> okay. That was the, the wrapper, right? And um, for the floor and the walls. And then it was, you know, the, the ribs were basically half inch um, plywood. So birch ply in a lattice shape, and that was the yurt. And it's 170, 170 feet or 170 Perfect. square feet. Yeah. So really, like modest. And over the years, I kept adding additional layers. The first time I was there, when the, when I kind of dropped the skirt over the wood, and it was windy, I thought the the darn thing was going to blow away. Like, it's like flapping in the wind. And I, like, I didn't even know how I was going to sleep through it. I was literally going to go sleep in my car because it was just a crazy windstorm. I thought it was going to blow away. Yeah. So systemically, I, I took recycled denim um, and insulated in between the, the mm. ribs and the, 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 the joists. And then I put um, this radiant barrier against the outer layer of the LA billboard. Then I put a pond liner, which is very thick, like 40 mil, you know, rubber over that. And then I took this outdoor furniture cover that I bought in a long roll. And then I kind of stitched it and stapled it and just, so now it's very stout. And before that, your journey, so you created you founded Juicero. Yeah. And you guys raised, how much did you raise for that? Um, north of $120 million. And what was your lifestyle at that point? I was living, you know, in a kind of one bedroom apartment in San Francisco, mm. walking to work. I had a 2007 Prius and my life. I've got a 2007 Prius. Yeah. I live in a one bedroom in LA. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll probably live in a yurt in like a year. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, lived in a teepee before I came to LA. <laughs> I mean, that's a great trajectory. <laughs> and so my life was very much all about, um, if there was anything that, that the media got wrong, yeah. you know, on Juicero, 
was that this was this elitist thing of $7 juices for rich, rich, like arrogant people. This was something that I discovered the power of juicing, you know, in treating, you know, serious you know, I have friends, family that had serious chronic illnesses. Yeah. So my aunt got diabetes. They chopped off her feet below her ankles. And then she died of complications with diabetes. My uncle had heart disease and died. My mother got stomach cancer and died. My father got heart disease and died. And both of my other uncle and my other aunt both got um, died of cancer and heart disease. So when I looked at the family, and my brother, let me... You know, thank God, knock on wood, my brother's still alive and kicking. But he's had three strokes, a heart attack, atrial fibrillation, hypertension, is diabetic and obese. So I looked at this, and one of the things that I saw was what you had pointed out um, in a prior part of our conversation about the power of juicing. Yeah. So you can easily eat raspberries, strawberries, pineapple, sweet fruit, people have no problem eating. Even apples, people can eat that. Give someone a head of kale or chard or collard greens or parsley or cilantro, they will not eat more than a bite and like the, they give you the Heisman. But if you were to juice it, you get a lot of the magic of those the unsweet, savory vegetables with all their nutrition in a very concentrated form. Yeah. So I'm not um, advocating, and I never did, that someone should just live on juice or that someone should have a juice diet. What I, before like I started to um, promote sprouts and, and really get into sprouts, I saw the fastest way of getting concentrated, raw living nutrition um, was through juicing. And so I'd made a lot of juice prior to Juicero. I was in the juicing business for 10 years. So we had 10 retail stores in New York City. So we made a lot of juice. And what I realized is after um, that Organic Avenue journey, when I went to go make my own juice, I looked at Bed Bath & Beyond and Amazon and Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Williams-Sonoma. And I looked at all the juicers and, and it was like a nightmare yeah. because to make juice at home was a nightmare. And then the people who had juices, juicers, they were using it once or twice uh, a, a month. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to have juice once or twice a day. And then the people at an espresso machine, they were using that Nespresso once or twice a day because it was convenient. So I blue-skied, moonshot, said... How can I create a juicer that literally takes two minutes, no setup, no cleanup, no going to the store, no washing your produce, like a total, total convenience for the delivery of raw nutrition. And if you looked at almost 99% of all juice that's in a bottle is pasteurized, whether it's heat pasteurization or cold pasteurization, HPP, um, and to me, I won't drink pasteurized juice because it concentrates the sugars and it kills the living enzymes and the, the nutrition from my perspective. So I really wanted raw juice. 
And so the, the invention, which was very complicated, people focused on the machine, but the real effort in the R&D went into how could we take fresh produce, dice it, slice it, chop it, shred it, weigh it, create a formula that was nutritionally sound, that tasted good, that would function in basically a cheesecloth and an outer wrapper. And so when we were selling, you know, um, eight ounces of produce prepared for $7, that was um, uh, eight ounces of juice that was delivered for $7. That was on par with the cost per ounce of juice at a juice bar, yeah. but it was a fresher product. So that was it. So what I want to do is bring that mass, you know, bring that out to the masses. And it starts small. Like we weren't able to go and say, oh, let's order a million of these units and bring the cost down. So like the first batch of units was like 3,000 units. So if you're coming out with a first level. So that was that was that. And, you know, to me, the greatest success metric that I could look at for Juicero was that we sold thousands of machines. We sold over a million packs and the people who had the machine, they loved it. They didn't complain. They saw the value and that was reflected in them using it 9.2 times per week. Mm -hmm. So my dream of creating a juicer that people could use once or twice a day was fully realized and manifested. So I'm complete well, on that. What I'm in, what I'm interested in in relation to that question is is where your mindset was at and your vision and uh, your general lifestyle then, which it sounds like it wasn't excessive at all. You'd seem not like at all. Always, you always led a very sim simplistic yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. I, so has there ever been a moment in your life where you desired lots of things? No. I mean, I think when I got out of the army. Right. And I was hungry. I worked and I was a workaholic and I worked. And one of the rewards for working for me was food. Mm. And so I felt like as long as I can have like food was the reward. Food was the treat. Food was the pleasure. Food yeah. was the drug. And so when I got to a level of being able to live in a nice apartment and go out to eat, you know, every meal like that was really it. Like, I've never had a fancy car. I've never had fancy houses. I'm very kind of provincial. I'm going to take my shirt off for a second. We're in okay. a sauna. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. I don't want to sweat on my stuff. So. So for me, what was always important, and I'd say since I got out of the Army, was that I wanted to be able to sleep in a place that was quiet. So whenever I looked for a place to live, I wanted to be quiet. I wanted to be able to open the windows and get fresh air. Like, I won't stay in a hotel room right. if the windows don't open. Sure. Right? Because I don't want to... It's a prison. I don't want to turn on air conditioning or heating. Like, I want to be able to... You know, I was never addicted to living at 68 degrees. Yeah. So... The, the thing that was important for me was eating. What happened is that I didn't know the connection between diet, nutrition, exercise, and health. So I would just eat whatever I could because that was a reflection and a reward for my hard work. Yeah. 
So, but when everyone died and my immediate family all died by 1999, that's when I went cold cucumber. Like that's when I saw the religion of plants. And I went from eating cooked food, processed food, refined food, meat, dairy, animal products, cheese galore to vegetarian, vegan, raw vegan in a two-week period. And I haven't looked back. Have you ever had any fear around nutrition? And, and like, like uh, spe- specifically in relation to your family? Oh, yeah. I, well, when I made the connection to, you know, being overweight was a kind of a precursor to diabetes and heart disease. And, and I had that. I had a lot of fear then. And within months, I dropped 38 pounds mm. and I've kept that off. So I, I'm now acutely aware that everything you put in your mouth is a life or death decision. Hmm. Like it's just no joke. Hmm. So I, what, the way I describe it, I, I've now raised my standards of what I'm willing to consume. Yeah. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday in relation to nutrition and creating a healthy relationship with the food that we, that we put into our mouths. And the comparison was the relationship to food being like a relationship to a romantic partner, you know? And so I like the concept of, you know, eating to live instead of eating or living to eat. And I think there is room for both. You know, I think it's like yin yang. There's like a balance of, of being that place of like, I wouldn't want to be with a romantic partner where it's just like, okay, well this is the best thing for me. So it's going to be, I'm just going to grind it out and, and do the thing. I'd rather it be like an effortless, beautiful effervescent like wow like wow like it's just there's no work in this you know i really value this relationship it doesn't feel like it's like a like a like a working relationship and i feel like because there is so much you know fear i think oftentimes and and just and and misinformation around food that me personally i don't know what to think about food you know and i've been studying nutrition and you know coaching clients and on this podcast for for years and a week ago i was inclined towards carnivore and now i'm inclined towards veganism as of 20 minutes ago talking right. with you and i'm, <laughs> I'm like, you're like i'm talking to you like freak i'm gonna die if i eat you know beef liver yeah and then talking to somebody else they're like i'm gonna die if i eat sprouts <laughs> I'm like shit yeah i i mean i think that's where being in the desert <laughs> um, and being able to be present and grounded, yeah. like intuitively, like if I see a cow, I want to go like pet it, kiss it, hug it. Sure. Right. I want to get on my knees and suck its teat and, and drink the milk. <laughs> like I have no craving for that whatsoever. <laughs> right. So, you know, I see nature and I see animals as just beauty. Yeah. Right. And but wouldn't nature include plants and the destruction of plants? It's it's trying to live its life and spread its seed and all that stuff. If you're in the way of it spreading its seed, then that would be kind of a, a similar chasm. You know, it's interesting because I see plants, certain plants more than others, like the colors of their rainbow, like of fruits. Mm-hmm. Like I get so excited when I see organic watermelon with seeds that is that brilliant red 
like when the hue is so bright and the texture is there. Like my mouth waters Mm -hmm. for that. So I see that. I don't get that. Like in the past, you know, I haven't had a TV in over 20 years. But I still remember the, the Burger King, aren't you hungry? I still remember the McDonald's ad for the Big Mac that came out when I was like nine years old, two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Yeah. Like that's ingrained well, in my brain. It gets into the, the previous idea of the, the whole capitalism, consumerism converging in with what's actually optimal for our biology. Yeah. And it's like, for, from a consumeristic perspective, the more that you eat of our whatever the hell it is that we're selling you, the better. And we're going to sell you that idea and we're going to get the researchers and the science and the back end and we're going to create the echo chamber and that's going to be the message. Right. But then if you go back to Hippocrates or Paracelsus or any like the philosophers and doctors forever, it's like, well, overeating is the, the core of all of the disease. 100%. You know, and fasting is what creates the spaciousness for those internal whispers and messages of your cells to be able to come in and actually be able to function optimally. Well, also, if you think about it, if you cook things, and you add salt, oil, and sugar to them, you can easily over overeat. Yeah, it's delicious. I can tell you, it's virtually impossible, right? There may be some outliers, <laughs> but it's virtually impossible to overeat raw sprouts yeah. unseasoned. <laughs> like, you know, like if someone says to me, and they're, they're overweight, and they go, I'm hungry, and I'll say, oh, here's some broccoli sprouts, here's some lentil sprouts, here's some pea sprouts. And they'll eat a few. And like, what else you got? I was sure. like, oh, are you full now? And like, no, no, I want something else. And I was like, if you were hungry, then you would eat these sprouts. Because I don't think you're really hungry. Mm-hmm. I think there's something causing a compulsion for you to eat. Mm. Because if you eat these sprouts... They're high in micronutrients, they're high in fiber, and they're low in calories. So you can virtually eat every single one of these sprouts. You're going to have a movement like a silverback gorilla, (laughs) right? And you're going to lose weight. And you're going to feel better. Wait, so are you just, are you pretty much almost exclusively just eating sprouts? I mean, I'm eating sprouts and fruits and tahini and avocados, okay. but I'm, I'm all raw vegan yeah. and I'm like a joyous raw vegan. <laughs> like I'm joyous. Like every fruit that comes into season, you know, I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah. But for other people, I don't want to tell someone to do what I do. Like I'm not promoting a sproutarian diet. Yeah. Like that's what not, I'm saying. Not yet. Not, not book, yet. Book, book number two. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, what, I'm, what I'm encouraging people to do is to be present with what they're willing to put in their mouth, raise their standard, and know that if you add sprouts to your diet, you're going to be one happy camper. Mm. You're just going to be a happy camper because you're getting concentrated nutrition you're getting fiber, you're yep. getting flavors, you're getting textures. And um, the, the thing about sprouts is that they are for everybody. Yep. Like everybody can eat sprouts. And there's, um, they're available. And magically, you gave me a, a, a little cute care mason jar um, to drink from. 
but you could grow sprouts right in here sure. with some cheesecloth, with a special lid, with a sock right over it, and they grow in days, not weeks, months, or years, and they're nutritious, and they're fast. Yeah, it seems like they're like a, they're like an affordable, colorful, fibrous multivitamin in a sense. So yeah. it's, it sounds like, to me, the way that I'm hearing it is instead of spending a bunch of money on on inert multivitamins that have been sitting in a case forever, why don't you just choose this more simplistic, more affordable route of adding some actual real living food to your Top, on top of whatever your diet is. Right, and add fiber. If you're eating a Snickers bar, put some, put some sprouts on the side. It's going to be better for you. Yeah, or eat the sprouts. Like, to me, it's sprout f- sprouts first. Like, yeah. whatever you're going to eat. Then you probably won't want the Snickers bar. Yeah, or, or you'll eat half the Snickers bar. Yeah. You know, my brother came over for dinner the other night, and I made a huge sprout salad for him. And then, like, I layer on the tahini and raw almond butter as, like, a dressing like just layered it on. I mean, it's it's thick. Yeah. Like I may use a quarter pound of tahini, like in its in a salad dressing. Sure. Like it's like a paste, and then my wife made vegan lasagna, and she said, "Doug, there's vegan lasagna in the fridge, you know, for your brother," and so I fed him the salad. And then he ate the whole salad, sprout salad. And I said, are you full? Are you done? He's like, yeah. I was like, you want some more? He's like, no. I was like, okay. Um, so you don't want the lasagna? He's like, you have lasagna? And I was like, I thought you said you were full. He's like, well, I am. But why didn't you offer that first? Because in his mind, he valued the lasagna at a greater level than the sprouts. Mm. And to me, like the lasagna, and it was made with a lot of love is vegan, beautiful. Like, I'm not eating that because it doesn't meet my criteria of living foods. Yeah. What do you think of metabolic flexibility and having having the ability for the body? Because I, I know a lot of, we were talking about this before, like I know a lot of people that at least from having a conversation with them, looking in their eyes, looking at their bodies, looking at their energy levels and, you know, their just their capacity as an athlete, a lot of them have really funny diets, you know, people that I know. And I I do think there is something that I find kind of impressive or endearing about a person that is able to process a broad swath of different types of like foods and quotations and still be able to crush life and not be quite so like precious is kind of a a term that kind of comes to mind of being like, okay, if it's not this perfect thing, then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fall apart. Yeah. Look, I think the, the idea for me kind of goes back to the, Hippocrates is do no harm. Yeah. And I'm certainly not like taking um, out the calculator and the spreadsheet and analyzing how many grams of this seed or this sprout for this nutrition. Yeah. What I'm doing is making sure that everything meets a threshold. And I have to tell you that you will, your body will work to be able to process the roughage and the testas and the shells and the lectins and the um, phytic acids and the nutrients and the amino acids of these um, seeds and sprouts. Like you're not off the hook. Like we're not just giving someone 
an IV of liquid nutrition. Yeah. Like if you're eating sprouts, the body has to work. You have to chew it, you have to process it, etc. To the degree that, um, and, and I think you're saying, well, isn't it a good thing to be able to process a hamburger, you know, or a, a piece of this or fish or something? Yeah, or Gatorade or whatever. It's like, here's what we're eating. Sorry, we're climbing a mountain. You got to figure it out. I mean, humans are extremely resilient, yep. right? There's people who live to 100 years old who smoke and drink, right? To me, um, I'm pretty adventurous and ambitious in my life. But with food, like, I don't, I'm aware of the addictive natures of food. Like Gatorade is highly, highly addictive because of the sweeteners that they add to it. So when, when I look, and whether it's a natural sweetener or a sugar or an aspartame or whatever they're sweetening with in the moment or whatever flavor of Gatorade, I'm aware of that. Yeah. And, you know, to me, if I want something really sweet and I want to feed my sweet tooth, I'll have a medjool date. Yeah. Right. And that'll spike my glycemic levels right through the roof. Right. And I don't need to eat, you know, 10 dates. I don't need a full date shake. So I'm aware of this, but I guess on a macro level, you know, for me, right, having lost my family, I'm a little conservative about what I eat. I wonder with you what it is about you that your personality that inclines you towards simplicity, because I think that's such a valuable trait especially in a Western culture that's totally indoctrinated by, you know, you are your materials, you are your, right. your stuff, you are your car, you are your, you know, that's what represents like your humanity. And so is there some way to encapsulate where that comes from for you? I mean, I, I think the the level is that you can't take that stuff with you, right? You can't take it with you. So I am wildly impressed with how sexy and technologically advanced like the new Teslas are. They're cool. Like they're just incredible. They're very cool. From open <laughs> right, from opening the door to the three hundred mile, you know, um driving limit. Makes fart noises. Yeah, I don't didn't know about that. Yeah, fart noises. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I to the you know, to the indoor air quality and the HEPA grade filters that they add to it and the powerful acceleration. And to me, if I looked at that car, it would create anxiety for me. Why? Um, is someone going to key it in the parking lot? Oh, I think about that. That's, I don't like literally my car. I don't lock my car. Anybody listening? Have you ever seen my car? Like I've, I have insurance. So I'm like, like you could take the car, like you could do anything. And that's, that's, I'm, I'm in a similar place in my mind presently yeah. now where it's like managing level of attachment to things, but also really enjoying the fuck out of life and appreciating nice things. Yeah. Like where's that, where's that line? Yeah. I, so where is there a line? I mean, I think f for me, like, I don't want to impress anybody. Like, I don't care. Like, it just means nothing to me. <laughs> okay. So How did you get to that point, just, Doug? I, I think um, <laughs> I think the Vipassana meditation oh, good. was really good. Have you done just one? I've done two 10-day sits. Right. I did and, one a, a year ago. I'd like to do another one yeah. coming up. And, you know, I'm, I sit twice a day. Right. So the essence of no clinging, no craving... 
no aversion is ingrained, you know, into my head. And I thought that by doing the Vipassana, it would take away from my edge. Like, sure. I, right? So and people it, have fear of psychedelics. Oftentimes, depending on business people, comedians, they're like, oh, I don't want to lose my funny. I don't want to lose my, that like ferocity that I have for business. I don't want to become like a, a sprout guy that lives in a yurt. I want to like stay in this material world. So I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. Well, I, I think the end of the day is that when you experience death of people that are close to you or like, I don't know anyone who doesn't know anyone. And this is a line from the Buddha. This isn't me. But anyone who doesn't know anyone, like when Buddha went into the village 2,600 years ago um, and he taught Vipassana for 40 years, right? Does anyone know anyone who hasn't had someone who they knew or loved die, right? So suffering is inevitable, right? The suffering is inevitable until you become awakened to the fact that the pain is inevitable, like the pain of the loss. But the suffering, you can choose to observe and determine whether or not it's going to be a monkey wrench in your heart, in your soul, in your gut. So I'm far from saying I'm enlightened or anything of the sort. What I'm saying is I'm very aware of my cravings. I'm very aware of the things that I cling to. And I'm very aware of the things that I have aversions to. What do you cling to? I think that I'm still extremely frugal. Mm. Like, you know, if like I see a box in the street. Like I could use that box. I'm like, oh my purpose. Well, I'm like, (laughs) I I think I could sleep there. If it hits the fan, like I think I could sleep there. (laughs) So, so part of it is being very frugal because of, the uncertainty. So I'm always want to be prepared. Like Where did I, you get that from? Is that early childhood? Was there some kind of like scarcity? There was definitely something? scarcity. There was definitely scarcity when we were growing up. And what kind of prompted the overeating for me and my brother was there was such scarcity in the house. Like I remember if my mother bought a chicken, she made the chicken, she quartered it. He got a quarter of it, like a leg or a wing, you know, breast or a drumstick. And you know, everyone got one quarter and there were no seconds. And if she bought cherries, you know, um, we each got like a dozen. And that was it. And there was no seconds. And then as soon as like I got a job in a supermarket and I could afford my own food, I was like, I'm going to go to McDonald's. And I still remember the meals I would get at McDonald's as a, as a late teenager. I would get a nine-piece chicken McNugget, a double quarter pounder with cheese. I feel like it's a McDonald's ad. Um, a a large um, fries from McDonald's, a um, apple pie, and either a vanilla shake or a hot fudge sundae. And if I was really gluttonous, I'd have both. And and that was like $10. And I knew that, and I I remember I was making like $4.65 an hour at the time when I was like 16 years old. And I was like, wow. I only have to work two hours and I get to eat this like incredible meal and stuff my face. So, so I think that I always want to have money to eat. And, and now 
um, when I'm more aligned in my purpose. And this is what, when, when I started Juicero, I really just wanted to share what I learned about plant-based nutrition, that the U.S. Dietary Guidelines had recommended 7 to 13 servings of fruits and vegetables every day, and the average American was consuming less than one. So there was a huge gap in the amount of produce that people were eating. And I felt like, hey, give them a great tasting fresh juice and people will drink it. And I remember giving like an unsweetened green juice with four grams of sugar and an eight ounce juice to Dr. Alan Goldhammer at True North, like the water fasting, juice fasting expert. And he's like, Doug, in 30 years, I've never tasted an unsweetened green juice that was this good. Like, this is a miracle. Like, and so I felt like the breakthrough of sharing that information. But, you know, we live in a very complicated um, world and people didn't understand. And so, like, Juicero got composted. Yeah. And the good thing is, you know, I didn't. Like, I'm still alive. You're still here. I'm still here. And, and I learned a lot. What do you think it would take for you? Because I share, I'm, I'm observing that we share a lot of qualities um, as you're, as you're, as you're talking, and and I wonder what it would take for you with the process of releasing the unhealthy side of that frugality and coming into a place of feeling safe in the world, like I'm always, I'll always be taken care of. Well, it's interesting because by living in a yurt, right? And, and actually now we have a little 400 square foot cabin. So, um, with, with that, I feel I'm totally living in the abundance consciousness. Yeah, I get that. Like I'm living abundantly. That's why I'm thinking about getting the van. Yeah. Just I think, to have that. Cause when you have, when you're, when you're st- stuck on the teat of modernity and you're, yeah. you you need the oil and you need the electricity and you need the the paper and you need all that stuff in order to feed yourself and you know that that's just that's like the the operating system that you run on to me i think there's some subconscious inherent um like instability there whereas if you can get to the point where you actually truly are like look i don't i i'm running on you know like hunter gatherer like I, I i i know that i can actually live a more simplistic lifestyle i feel like there's probably some type of like deep gratification that exists in there. Well, look, I think you learn a lot from fasting. Like yeah. on my last trip um, internationally that I came back, um, the sequence of events of prioritizing who I was spending time with before I came home resulted in me showing up at the airport with no food and going on two flights, traveling for 17 hours. And to me, immediately, like I went into the rational part of my brain and I said, I'll drink water and what a great opportunity for me to fast. This will just be a a, a fast. And as soon as I said that, there was no lack. There was no like jonesing the, you know, the little snacks or other things. It was just like so clear. And having done extensive water fasting, I now feel that I'm prepared for any situation. Mm. So the the fact that, you know, I've squirreled things away, like in nature, right? I don't think a squirrel is coming from a perspective of lack. 
yeah. right? They just are rational. So I think the idea of not being in debt, like I see myself, I drive my old Prius and- You got it, the same Prius? Um, what color uh, is it? Well, right now I have a, um, me, my brother, and my wife, we all have Priuses. We have, a, we have an 07, <laughs> we have a, a 10, and a 14. What color is the 07? The 07 is green. Oh, mine's silver. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we, have a green, we have a green one, a gray one, and a white one. And, right. and bought them all used, yeah. and they, they do the job. And I think that I'm at a stage right now where I feel very free. Yeah, that's great. Like, you want to record the podcast, you know, even before I got to know we're recording in a sauna, I was like, okay, that's great. I'll, you know, get up. It's a three-hour drive, you know, and I'll, you know, build a, build a day, yeah. you know, out of L.A. Yeah. And so I feel a level of freedom. I think that the work is what's really important to me, hmm. like doing the research doing the work, doing the communication, sharing this information. Like what, if I just recap, like the sprouting for food, most people think of sprouts as a garnish if they think of sprouts at all. And hello, sprouts are vegetables. You can have the best salads in the world made out of sprouts. You can have the best snacks and you can have the best garnishes. And part of it, I hired Lita Scheintaub to collaborate with me. She did Layla Ali and Oprah's Oprah Winfrey's recipe book. So I hired her to develop 40 recipes with me that were all raw, all vegan, 50% made out of sprouts. Cool. I can't wait to try them. And so it's like, wow, abundance. Like you can really have abundance consciousness around sprouting and vegetables. But my message is add sprouts to your diet. You can add them to soup, salads, smoothies, entrees. So many people that I know are using protein powders, whether they're made from whey or pea or soy. And what, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm. How many grams of protein do you think are in one cup of sprouted garbanzo beans? One cup, sprouted garbanzo beans, grams of protein, there are 32 grams. That's, that's a really good guess. Depending on which source of data, between 24 and 36. Nice. So it's like, what? Wow. Like, that's incredible. So, so I think that if you're going to have a smoothie, add sprouts to your smoothie. Yeah. The guy um, who invented the Nutribullet send, follows me on Instagram sends me pictures of him sprouting spelt to put into his blender. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, the book came out in April. It's now in the sixth printing. The audio version uh, came out. And people around the world are like waking up to sprouting. Yeah. And I feel phenomenal. And I didn't write, as I was telling you before, I didn't write the Sprout Bible. I wrote the Sprout book, right? Just getting people to have a conversation and to start to take action around sprouts. I'm going to take a brief moment and discuss our gut health. 
pretty big deal. It is one of the cornerstones of your immune system. So if your gut is out of whack, your immune system will be out of whack. Uh, if it's healthy, then you will be protected. It also is a major component to the neurochemicals, neurotransmitters that are produced in your body. And they come from your gut. 95% of the serotonin your body is produced in your gastrointestinal situation. And uh, so I teamed up with BioOptimizers, who you guys are familiar with them from previous episodes. Uh, I trust their products emphatically. I think they're great. And uh, we are very excited to be collaborating with them for the Gut Guardian. Gut Guardian has all the probiotics and prebiotics you need to weed out the bad stuff in your GI system and reintegrate some of those good bugs to boost your immune system uh, and also your mind, your brain function. If you are feeling a little bit drowsy, if you're feeling a little bit maybe unhappy, uh, it might be some life situation things. In fact, it, you know, very good chance it is. Uh, and it also might be something that's happening internally. So I highly recommend starting to examine your gastrointestinal situation. And a great starting point would be introducing a little bit of the gut guardian from BioOptimizers. If you want to get yourself a 10% discount, you can go to biooptimizers.com slash align. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash align. Bioptimizers.com slash align. 10% discount on the Leaky Gut Guardian. They've got a couple different flavors. Carnivore chocolate, vegan vanilla, both very delicious. Uh, and uh, if you're not totally satisfied with the product, you can get 100% money-back guarantee for a whole entire year. So check them out, bioptimizers.com slash alive. What I'm hearing in recap in relation, because I'm, I'm, I love sprouts and I'm, what's more inherently valuable to me in like my immediate world and, and probably a lot of people's worlds. Um, I think is that sensation of lack and that sensation of scarcity and that sensation of fear. And so something that I'm hearing is being on purpose, I think is something that's almost acts as like, like, uh, I don't know, like, like there, it creates directionality in your life to, to kind of fend off some of those distractions of all the whirling thoughts. And then the other thing that I heard that I think is an interesting thing is, is having some level of exposure therapy to loss, you know? And so like the only way to, I don't, I've heard different versions of this, but the only way to find yourself is, right, you know, lose your mind to find yourself. I don't know, different things like that. Like if you, you need to lose the thing in order to let go of the fear of losing the thing, I think. And so I wonder if there's some type of formula or, sorry for driving you back into that, but I, I just yeah. think it's so interesting. Well, look, I think the idea that you can take these things with you. Yeah. Right. And what what I learned through this, like, extensive evisceration of that I went through um, in the kind of unwinding of Juicero mm -hmm. was that the people who knew me, you know, like Rich Roll, right, knew me through the whole journey. Opinion was like, oh, Doug, it's really a shame that Juicero's gone. Yeah. But you, what you did was great and, and I loved it. Versus some reporter um, journalist who smokes cigarettes, drinks coffee, eats meat, and is 
like trolling looking to find some vulnerability that they could um, pull out of context. Yeah. Like the, the funniest thing is that the, the article that went viral that you could squeeze the juice pack by hand. Yeah. I never heard of any of this stuff, by the way. Oh, okay. well, this, is, this is all new information. Yeah. Well, and most people haven't. You know, I, I obviously lived through it. Yeah. But the the fact that you could squeeze the juice by the, the pack of produce by hand, knowing that inside was 100% shredded produce, that if you went to any juice bar in the country who was using a press and you looked at the, the shredded produce going into the bag, if you couldn't squeeze it by hand, there was something wrong. Like, because you needed to do that. Sure. And it was saying that you could wash this beautiful indigo uh, t-shirt in the kitchen sink with less water, less soap, and faster than using a washing machine. Yeah. Right? Or... You know, I don't like. I don't. I haven't taken my car to the car wash forever, because um, I live in the desert. Doesn't matter, but like, you could spend forty dollars at the car wash. And do you know why most people spend forty dollars at the car wash or twenty five dollars for the car wash? Convenience, confidence. Mm. Like they walk out with the clean car. It's like they're peacocking. Mm. You know, they're roosting. And yeah, I always feel a lot better. Yeah, you feel like oh, it's cleaner. Yeah, and it's, it's funny how attached we are to, to things. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's like embodied cognition. Our, our environment shapes, shapes our mind. Yeah, I'm, 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 not, I'm not judging it. Yeah. I'm just stating the fact that you could, someone could criticize the car wash charging you $15 when you have a hose and a bucket and a sponge. Yeah, of course. Go clean it yourself. Do you feel like you are in gratitude to that reporter? Is there, and if not, is there a way to be? Oh, I have to say, I still text with the reporter, <laughs> and um, she, you know, she saw like something else written, and she goes, "What do you think about that?" And I said, "I think that it was um, not very favorable." You know, this other article, and she like says, "You're a bozo. You don't understand." She texts you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll show you the text. I'll show you the text, and That's and great. and like to me. I was like, wow, like, I'm so glad that I'm me and not you. Well, people that are in, like, an accusational form, I think, typically, you know, are in in pain. I think for the most part, it's like, if you're not in pain, you'll probably just kind of, you know, keep to yourself and live your life and love your kids and... You know, do your things, but I think if you're a person that's like, like I like, one of the things that that irks me, be um, well, one entitlement in general, but uh, angry people that kind of go out of their way to honk at you on the road, you know, and there it's like you, it's like you know, you did something kind of off, no, nothing was, there was no problems, no foul, it's over, right? And then they come in and they're like, ah, ah, and then like flick you off, it's like. It was unnecessary, but it's like they're, what they're doing in that instant is they feel, from, from my illusion, is they feel out of control in their life, and they found this little apple hanging here, this opportunity to feel like they're big, they're strong, they are right, they're in control. And so what I, the way that I can 
turn that so I'm not just angry and aggressive and want to fight them or whatever is like, oh, I see a hurt child that feels out of control and now here's their expression. And then from there, I can see it actually from a place of like, you know, compassion for them and gratitude for my life. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I stopped honking the horn <laughs> a long time ago. Like a, it was a long time ago. I only ago. do when it's going to actually support the situation. Like you need to know I'm here, sir. It's I mean, not it, that I'm not going to hunk. I, I mean, need to. I, I have probably less occurrences of that. Yeah, probably in in, in the desert. <laughs> but I I think going back to the level of like feeling abundant. Yeah. That I want to be able to sleep without interruption. Sure. Right in a quiet, dark place with good air, and I want to have access to sprouts and fruit. Yeah, that's not too much to ask. And so that criteria um, is easy for me to achieve. Yeah. And so I don't mind work. Like what, you know, my wife was saying, um, my, my brother was like, oh, you're going to Burning Man and do all the drugs and be with all the people. I said, a- ask Savan what I do at Burning Man. And she says, he works. And he, she goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, he works in the kitchen. Like he, it's I, a part I, of Vipassana, a thing of service. Service. So I do the service. And so it's like people's illusion. And what I also do, do at Burning Man is I have deep connections, you know, with a lot of people. And I, I love the gifting culture at Burning Man. It's really extraordinary where there's no brands at Burning Man. So everything is decommodified, right? So no one's walking around with the, um, the, Adidas or architect um, um, sweater, like everything is decommodified. And what I really, really love is that normally when people are selling things, they're enthusiastic and they're trying to sell you something. At Burning Man, someone loves pickles and their gift to the playa, to Burning Man, is pickles. They're out there enthusiastically flagging you down to try to give you one of their pickles for free. And someone else is walking around with a guitar wanting to just play and give their music, right? They're not trying to sell sell anything. And I'm not not against capitalism by any means. I just love to see the joy of of people giving their gifts without recompense. Well, humans are monetary. so humans are so adaptable. So we'll form to whatever the shape of our container. And so the container that we're we grow up in is a capitalistic, you know, make money container bottom line. You know, like what and and do you know sacred economics, Charles Eisenstein? Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh man. Do you read books or do you listen to books? Cuz I have it. I'd give it to you. I I mean, I I know how to read. Okay. <laughs> Good. I know I know how to read. Um you know, um, I, I probably probably won't read this. I probably, if you text it to me, I'll listen to it I'll on send Audible. You the Audible. I'll send the Audible. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I can gift it to you on Audible. But yeah. in sacred, I have economics. I have a lot of credits at Audible. I'll trade back some. Oh, good. For, I, I, I appreciate it. But but <laughs> but just send me the name. Okay. But I so <laughs> I I think the important part really is to know that in this. Phys- this human body is this transport vehicle for the spirit, right? And the pain 
Physical pain sucks. Mm. Not having energy to do things suck. Like I remember like my friends, I went to a wedding in South Africa a long time ago and everyone was going to go and they were going to pour dead fish guts over your head and drop you into a cage so that the sharks could come, you know, attack you. Yeah. And... Are you in a cage? You're in a cage, and they're lowering you in the water. I think it's relatively safe. Yeah, I've done that. And I was like, I I just don't want to move. I just didn't feel like moving. I didn't have the energy to move. And, like, I was looking at these people who were having so much fun you know, doing this. And I was like, I didn't want to move. And then I see people like excited about acro yoga or rock climbing or, you know, running an ultra and, or just dancing, you know, doing, going to do an ecstatic dance or watching a sunset. And these, these are things that you have to have energy to be able to do. You have to have freedom to be able to do it. And so when you, when I was able to become non-attached to all these other things of keeping up with the Joneses and yeah. impressing the things. It's a lot of energy. It's, a- um, it's like all this time elapsed. Like I, I love the fact that I can get up and go for a run that I set my, um, I, I have a, the muse. Do you ever any of the muse meditation yeah. tools? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, my morning sit with the muse, um, which I'm practicing Vipassana wearing the muse because what I track motivates me to do more. Can you turn off the Bluetooth part of it though? No, no. Yeah, that's the reason I don't. I didn't. I didn't really love me personally. Nothing for or against, but that was my only qualm. I, with I it. Anyways, this is beside the point. I, I, I whole separate area. EMFs, yeah, whole separate area. Yeah. But when I soak and I meditate in the hot spring, I can have up to ninety-eight percent focus. If I'm just sitting, um. Outside, um, not focused. I my focus level could be like two to five percent. Yeah. If I'm diligently well slept, well prepared, intended, observing my breath, I'll be fifty fifty focus, unfocused, you know, neutral. Um, and so, what I became aware of is how important it is to observe the breath, find the time to do things that serve you. And the amount of people that I know that are addicted to the news, addicted to TV and what's going on in the White House and election and all this, like I, I, I feel for a, a millisecond I put my fingers in my ear. I go, puppy kitty, puppy kitty. I don't want to hear it, puppy kitty. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and and then I'm like, God, like this is so important for so many people. Like 
you know, maybe I should be engaged or involved. And I was like, no, no, I, I, I just, so many people are malnourished or obese yeah. that my mission is the sprouts, that we need to divide and conquer. I got to stay focused on the sprouts. Like, otherwise, the same hour that I would be obsessed with, like, the last time I was addicted to the news was during the Gulf War. Mm. Like, I mean, I was on the news the, the entire time. Yeah. And it's as if nothing else mattered. So I'm aware of, like, time. We have 24 hours in the day. I want to sleep for six to eight hours. I want to meditate for, you know, 40 minutes to two hours a day. I want to run and exercise and do my hanging and do my my lunges and do my pull-ups and and have some yoga so there's things i want to do and it's a choice so i to me it's all about freedom of choice yeah and then it's about and i forgot where i read this but people you'll be remembered by what you create not by what you bought. Mm, that's great. Right. That's really good. So, like, I mean, yeah. Can can I can I buy something expensive? Yeah. And and then like the last thing that the the thing that turns me off the most. Maybe what you gift as well, because you can technically buy a gift, and that might be something. Maybe, but it probably won't be the gift. It's the intention behind the gift. It's never the thing. It's always the intention. Yeah. I mean. The, the the gifting that I may do that I probably do most frequently is um, transportation, you know, to help someone see a loved one or do things, um, and certain animal causes. Hmm. Like, you know, the, the, probably the biggest gift you know I gave was to the Humane Society specifically to fund. And and I haven't I haven't said this before, specifically to fund the person who goes undercover to work in the slaughterhouse mm. for up to years so that they can build the trust so they can that one day bring in that camera mm. to get that incriminating view and lens mm. and i imagine I, these are slaughterhouses that are like industrial style farming not yeah. like a, like a a, a um, what's it? What's the term? Regenerative, re- regenerative farm. That's a separate conversation. That I, I like. I don't think there's something called humane slaughter. Mm. Like, th- so. But separately, I think that. What about more, what about in nature? In nature, it's violent. Slaughter in nature is violent. Yeah. When it, when when a pack of hyenas or coyotes tears into you know or wolves or things. That's violent, but that's nature and they're carnivores and like that's how they're programmed. But don't you think humans are nature? Well, we're part of nature, but if I don't have to be complicit in that level of violence, like why would I? I mean, I'm living abundantly and safe mm-hmm. w- without that. Do you think that plant, and this is a whole nother conversation, so maybe at some point I'll just come out to, to Joshua Tree. We could, yeah. you could have some sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the consciousness of plants? 
And have you seen? I'm sure you've seen the research around like the, their their response to music and their response to intentions and and all I that. think that I think they're very much alive. I think if you put, you know, you take house plants and you put a time lapse through the night, you'll see the plants dancing and moving. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I so think, what about slaughtering them the next day then? Though, I think they're at a very different level of consciousness, you know, than um, a, a sentient being with a heart that bleeds, that has eyes, has a family that nurses. But that animal in nature that might have gone through some, you know, murderous, terrible death from a bunch of hyenas compared to receiving an arrow through its heart and having a a fairly painful death and probably not even realizing and living a really beautiful life. Um, And he might have been eaten by hyenas the next day or the next week or starved or anything like that. Like, for for me personally, I'm not pro against anything. I feel like my opinion very likely will shift in the next six months. Right. So I don't hold my opinions very strong, um, in, in in at least from like this conversation. Um, but I, that's like, what do you think about that? I mean, I think that I don't feel I have the right to cause that pain, that suffering, and take the way of a life. What if it's to feed your family? What if you're out in the woods like you're doing, except you don't have access to sprouts and stuff because you live, you're an Inuit or you're you know, a person that, that's, that's those what are, your those, subsistence those is? Those are such rare corner cases. But are they morally okay in those, in those, in those cases? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just don't know. I think that humans are very ad- adaptable. And I think that, you know, one of the issues is that, you know, when people talk about, oh, sustainably harvested wool, where they take the the wool from the, you know, that you don't kill the the sheep to get the wool off, right? They comb it off or they're collecting it from the bushes that the, that the sheep were walking through. And... I was like, yes, that is an extreme case of it. Like Gandhi wore um, leather from cows that died a natural death in nature. Mm -hmm. Like that's where he, like the leather that was acceptable for him. I guess in my mind, it's just defining, drawing the line of what, at what point is, what is natural? You know, so if, if the animal gets hit by a car, if the animal gets you know, what, whatever a tree falls on or something like that, or is the potential of a, a, a hunter that's trying to feed their, their family. And they're a part of the circle life as well. At least they've, they've chosen to kind of dip themselves into nature in that way. Are they, are they natural as well? Or are they not? I mean, I, I think that using weapons outside of self-defense is unfair. Yeah. Right. It's like you get the most advanced, advanced laser targeted, super calibrated bow and arrow. But a, but a less, a less fair fight would be more painful for the animal. So, so the further you get away from technology, the more pain becomes inflicted in order to feed that person's family. Well, p- perhaps the less fair fight um, would be advantageous to the animal. Yeah. And the animal w- would win. I don't know. I mean, the, these are corner cases. I think on a macro level that the amount of resources required to feed people, yeah. you know, using animal agriculture versus plant-based agriculture is l- just 
exponential different. So, you know, I'm sure there's corner cases. I'm not a philosopher. I'm a simple guy, you know, <laughs> recommending eat sprouts, <laughs> right? Eat sprouts at every meal, you know. I'm with that. 100%. You'll, you'll have you'll have great movements. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, would would I, you know, do I have any um, desire to to kill? No. Yeah. Right. You know, no weapons, no desire to kill. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I think it's a, you know, we we live in a very complex complex world, and the amount of people that are eating meat that have healthier options yeah you know that we know like that are listening to this people have choices and they have options and i think that i don't feel at all like compelled or believe the arguments for the survival for most parts of the world and most communities it's just not necessary yeah and you know it's very profitable Right. And the marketing supports it. And, you know, there's a lot of um, research that's probably industry funded to support it. And there's big megaphones of people who love, you know, the various diets. And I've stopped telling people what they should eat or not eat other than sprouts. I'm saying add sprouts, eat sprouts. I think that's wise. Sprouts are universal, you know, and I feel a lot better, like not trying to tell people you know, what not to do. Totally. So, um, I think the, the, if, if you eat sprouts, you feel really good and, um, they're accessible and nutritious. And to me, probably the biggest breakthrough, like if human nutrition for me was the awareness that sprouts aren't a garnish. Yeah. Like sprouts are a food. Before you came over here, I had a big sprout salad. Oh, phenomenal! <laughs> it was in preparation. Yeah, and and, and it look, was delicious. I mean, you're you know you're also a rare breed <laughs> of someone who's healthy and fit, and the body is resilient. You know, I remember there was a TV show that's incredible, and a guy ate a TV. <laughs> you know, they, they crushed the TV. He ate the TV. So, like humans can pretty much eat anything. So, um, yeah. but I, I, I'm, I'm about sprouts and, I appreciate that. and I'm about like meaning, like having deep meaning into what, what's going on and, you know, all these things. So I think meditation is really good. You don't need, you know, fancy meditation, like just observing your breath and, yeah. you know, being in silence and being in the dark, um, being away from technology is a really good thing. Yeah. Like, you know. Going out in nature, it's like nature speaks to you. All the levels of fasting. Yeah. It's nat- not just food. Fasting yeah. from anything that, that your the, the mind clings to, I think, could probably use use a fast, I'd imagine. Yeah. Whatever that thing is for the individual. So, you know, I I um I like social media from a an opportunity to share meaningful information. Yeah. Right? Share beauty. Or share meaningful information. And there's a dark side to everything. Just like food. You could say, I like food for the nutrition and the joy and all that stuff. And then there's the dark side of addiction. You could say the same thing in social media. Oh, yeah. I mean. Everything's it, relationship. That Ultimately, that's the, like, everything is relationship, I think. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine how many accidents are caused 
by someone driving. Oh, yeah. And looking to see how many likes they got on a post. Thousands of deaths. Somebody's probably dying right now, literally. So It's crazy. So, so like that that area of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the social dilemma. There's, yeah. there's a lot of those people in my Burning Man camp. Um, so, you know, I had early glimpse to this dialogue. And, you know, it's if it's not one thing, it's the next. Like people are addicted to TV and video games, you know, and now social media and the news. And so food, to me, is the most dangerous of all addictions. Sure. Because you don't need TV. You don't need Facebook. What you do need is to eat. Yeah. And once you start to eat, it becomes part of you, becomes part of your microbiome, becomes part of your brain and your blood system and your emotions. And once you are in this addictive cycle, it's like why, you know, people pound down the whole quart of, you know, the Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey ice cream. So delicious. Right? I haven't had one for many years. Well, no, it's it's not delicious. <laughs> I remember it, it being pretty good. <laughs> it's engineered to like a drug. Yeah. The combination of the fat and the sugar. I was like Chunky Monkey. Yeah. The fat, the sugar, the chocolate, the flavors, the food engineering on that is like world class. <laughs> like... It's to make you, who's like this intelligent being, like to think like that's delicious. Yeah. That's like, you know, these poor young kids today that are addicted to pornography that can't have an intimate relationship and get turned on because they're dating a normal um, boy or girl. Right. Right. And they're so used to the sensations, you know, of, of the pornography yeah. that the reality, it's like, you know, it's not bland. Sure. Right. So I'm a proponent of bland food because the, if you're eating bland food, you're less likely to overeat bland food mm. that's not fried, that's not overly flavored, that doesn't have the oils and the sugars and the salts that are just going to release the dopamine and the serotonin in your brain to make you want to eat every bit of it. Yeah. You know, do the experiment. You can do this at home, safe to do it at home. Take raw broccoli. And take sautéed broccoli with oil, sugar, garlic, and salt. And see how much of each you could eat in one day. And people will polish off a whole head of broccoli if it's properly prepared. If it's raw, they'll take a few bites and they'll be like, I'm done. And, you know, it takes a while, you know, to be able to get to the level where you can eat for sustenance and nutrition versus out of addiction yeah well i so greatly appreciate this conversation man i appreciate you allowing me to to go into all the diverse directions beyond hey it's your show yeah (laughs) it's your show um i'm really excited to try the sprout recipes so there's there's 40 recipes in the book and i have the book i'm very excited i'm gonna do that um where do people get the book or or what's the best place to find people i I mean look i'm on instagram my name at doug evans great um the book is called The Sprout Book. You can sign up for the email list. Um, the book, I'd encourage you to buy the book from a local bookseller. Um, if they're open. If they're open. Um, otherwise, the um, book is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. and It's on all the e-readers and on Audible and Did you read Apple it? Music. 
Did I read you it? You did read it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I read it, and I had to audition twice. Really? To they were going to let you read it? No, because... Really? Like, they said I talk... You're the author. They, you got to read no, it. No, they said... It's I, ridiculous. They said I talk way too fast, and, and like, I chilled out, <laughs> and I adjusted myself, <laughs> and I sent in my second um, audition recording... That and is then, hilarious. Then I recorded it, and it was a challenge. When when I actually was doing the recording for a four and a half hour recording part, because a lot of the Sprout book is in the um, the PDF download that accompanies the book. Yeah. Um, when I was doing it, the producer and the audio engineer would constantly interrupt me and stop me and have me repeat. Sure. And I was like, God, why did I sign up to do this? It's terrible. But, you know, they wanted to have a, a great production. So I think the performance of the Sprout book, I'm very proud of. Cool. I love that. That's the important thing. Um, well, thank you so much. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you. you. And I, it was good to have a good schwitz. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> do you have schwitzes? Well, not not now. <laughs> we have so we have the hot springs, so yeah. I, I soak. But I used to go to the Tenth Street Turkish baths in New York City. Oh, cool! And, you know, yeah, I love I saunas. I love spa life. Spa life. I'm all about it. Um, well, thank you so much. I really genuinely appreciate you sharing your your perspectives on here, and um, I look forward to coming out and checking out the a- any any time. Let's find a time. We will do. Get that. you out. Cool. I love it. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Over now. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, share it with friends. Uh, you can share it on the Instagram as a likely place. You can tag me at Align Podcast. You can tag Doug at Doug Evans and share a specific part that you enjoyed. That's always the best. So if there's any tidbit you thought was great, was helpful, share it with your friends. And uh, we'd love to reshare that on our ends. If you are interested in learning more about how to operate that sweet, sultry, supple, divine body of yours. Check out the Align Method book. It is everything that I've gathered that I found meaningful over the last 17 years working with clients, all the mistakes that I have made and uh, the things that I've found to be effective uh, are integrated into that book. It also gathers the insights from podcast guests over the last five and a half years here. And um, I think it's great. I stand behind that book 1000%. I'm super excited about it still, even a year later. And I think it would be supportive in your life. It's a great gift. Any of the things you can find that on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Target, wherever the heck you get books. So check out the Align Method. And if you're interested in going deeper into that in digital form, you can check out the Align Method six-week online program found at alignpodcast.com slash courses. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Bye.